Physique University, your source for all things physique enhancement. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to Elite Physique University. I'm John Gorman, your host. Jason, we are on 20 episodes. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well. I'm, I'm doing well here on this Thursday night. Uh, that's, that's awesome. And I know we've grown fast for 20 episodes, so all yeah, good stuff. We're, we're almost at 300 reviews. Um, I mean, almost all five stars. So like, I'm super, super happy with that. And we do have a winner to pick. You know, For those of you that are just tuning in, we've been doing a contest where people have sent in a screenshot of their review to me on Instagram. And um, I put a shit ton of people in a hat, man. Like I had like 80 people that actually nice. did it, which was awesome. Oh, yeah. um, and, and we're both big on giving back. Like you've hooked people up with supplements from new ethics, your company. Yep. Um, I thought, you know what, man, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, with this economy being shit like it is right now, let's, let's do something cool. Let's get back. Yeah. This listeners. is big. Yeah. This so we talked about it and we're like, okay, cool. So we'll go ahead and give, you know, give away your prep with me. And I do have that winner. And that winner is at little reppin red. That's Elena Hayden. Um, Nice. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to working with you. So just hit me up, send me a DM on Instagram and we'll connect through email and I will get you all set up, whether it's prep or off season, whatever you need, we've got it. So guys, we, we do appreciate that. Once again, please keep leaving the reviews. We're 20 episodes in, we're trying to grow this bitch like crazy and the reviews are, they're just a big part of it. So, um, we're going to do an ask us anything we've been doing, you know, we started off with an ask us anything to kick off the episode, uh, episode one, and then somewhere around 10 or 11, we did another one. So it's like every 10 episodes or so, we're just going to compile all these questions that you guys send in. You can always send those to me at Instagram at team underscore Gorman. You can hit Jason up as well. You're at Scooby prep. IFBB pro one, right? I never can't yeah. remember. Uh, I, IFB, uh, Scooby prep underscore IFBB pro one. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's not a lot of Scooby preps out there, so they're Mm -hmm. definitely going to find you if they search you. Um, You can send Jason your questions and, you know, we kind of compile these and man, we've got some good ones today. But before we get to that, um, what's new with you this week, man? You got any any good news that you want to pass on? to? Yeah. I mean, you know, um, business is still great. Um, People are are investing in health, um, getting healthy. So that's cool. Um, but yeah, I brought on a new coach and I wanted to announce that I'll make a like formal posting on, um, my social soon, but, um, Meredith Pachi, um, she was a client of mine, still is worked through a ton of health issues and she just, um, showed a real desire to become really educated on a lot of the things that I hold near and dear, which is not just being able to get someone to look good, but also taking care of their health as you're doing this. And so, uh, when I saw that passion, I thought, man, I, I'm, I know that, uh, it's time for me to bring on another coach. So she's, she's been taught up on, um, you know, the hormonal issues and, and metabolic compensation plus all the other just normal coaching stuff. But, you know, so if you, if, if someone's out there is listening and they were wanting a, a female touch on that, you know, um, yeah, I, I have that to offer too. So uh, that was, that's been a, been a, a big undertaking and I'm glad that uh, she's almost on board here. Well, she is, but I haven't announced it officially, but I am now on the podcast telling everyone. So yeah, I've been awesome, excited man. about that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to drop this probably on Sunday. So I don't, I don't know if you'll have a post up by then or not, but that's, that's exciting, man. And it's, it's cool too, because you know, with a lot of trainers struggling right now, you're growing like crazy. And I think that's a testament 
to being able to help people. Like that's always the base of everything we do. So if you're a coach and a trainer listening, this is, this is where you have to triple down on that. That's why we should have all gotten to it in the first place is you have to help people. Whenever you do that, people spread the word for you. So, you know, Jason's so busy. He's, he's bringing on another coach. I mean, dude, how many coaches do you have? I know you probably don't know the number off the top of your head unless you just sit and count, but I mean, you've got a handful, right? Yeah, we've got a handful here. Um, you know, we're not as big as some other outfits, but I like to really vet the people. But um, yeah, I've got four, four, I think. I don't want to forget anyone, but um, yeah, so we're, we're nice sized outfit here, but um, not huge, um, but everyone's well-educated, so. No, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm happy for you guys. Um, just with me, the only thing real quick is I did release my my very first online class, it's resetting insulin sensitivity um, and cortisol is tied in there as well. I go through a complete protocol that I do with all my clients and athletes. Um, you know, it's a PowerPoint presentation on Zoom. I give out the Excel document that I use that calculates everything with blood sugar and the whole protocol. And Jason, I sold like 20 spots in like the yeah. first day to that. We were talking about before we started recording. Yeah. Yep. Um, and you've been crushing it with your metabolic resistance class yes. or hormone class. And um, this is kind of cool, man, because we're able to help people do this stuff. It's just, it's outside the box, man. We, you know, we talk about a lot of this stuff on the podcast, but to be able to teach it in a classroom setting, whether it's, yes. you know, online or it's at the physique summer or wherever, like that's pretty cool. So I know, I know we were talking or you've got more classes coming up. I do yes. as well. Um, do you want to talk know, the about cool any thing of those about now? It, the, cool, the cool thing about it is, you know, they can hear us on radio and we offer, you know, protocols and how to help, but, or, you know, the podcast when I say radio, but in the, in the zoom setting, I mean, they can ask questions and I love it when there's always that one person who isn't afraid to ask questions, you know, and they'll just ask question after question, you know, everyone else is like soaking it up too. Um, so it's, it's been cool in that realm because, you know, I've been really able to educate people on something that is, it's it's there's a lot of people that need help in the area so yeah man i'm i'm looking forward to this one it's been the first time i've i've done a class on zoom i've done other stuff with like you know face um uh, not facetime but like facebook live and private groups mm-hmm. and stuff like that and calling into colleges that's cool but this this will be fun so i'm looking forward we'll announce some of the other classes we both have coming up um because we we do have more stuff coming up so yes. jason let's get into these questions man yeah. we have we have quite a few here. I think there's like seven or eight really good ones sent into both of us. I'm going to kick this off with Teresa Bonner. She wants to know, what are your thoughts on glutamine? Is it worth the money? And if so, when should I take it and how much? So Jason, yeah. we both have a shit ton of experience with glutamine. Yes. Um, go ahead and kick this off for us if you would. Well, here's my take on glutamine. Um, you know, it's fairly cheap. So and there are two areas that I like it for. I like it for gut health. So if you have um, gut impairment or gut issues where you might have some pain or just discomfort, it's really good for the, the lining of, of the gut, the stomach. Um, another area that it shines is actually cell volumization. So you know, if you take 10 to 15 grams around workout with your creatine and your other you know, pump products, it will help volumize the cell. Um, I think in the past where people were using it was, you know, to prevent muscle loss. And I don't think it, it doesn't really shine there. Um, as, as, as was touted in the nineties, but if you have gut distress, 
um, need to rebuild a gut lining, um, you know, just have general, you know, distress in your, in your, in your gut and you're doing some other things to help it. Glutamine is cheap and at 15 grams, you can add it in the morning. Um, you could even add another 15 grams in the evening to really coat the stomach. It's great in that realm. Um, or, or for a cell volumization. If you're trying to use it as a way to uh, buffer muscle loss, there's way better products and you're going to come up kind of annoyed with your results if you're using it that way. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's tasteless pretty much. I mean, it's like a, it's like a fine creatine really, if you think about it, like you're not going to taste it. Um, it's just tasteless powder mixes really well. Should anyway, if you get a high quality product, you guys sell it over at, uh, you sell it on Scooby prep and natty nutrition.com, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So people can be able, you can, you guys can grab it there, yep. man. I remember back in the day when it was a little more sexy, you know, back in like yes. 2008, 2009, like I would carve up some of my clients 2010, I I'd carve them up and I would have them alternate, um, you know, a teaspoon of creatine at one meal and then yes. a teaspoon of glutamine at the next meal for cell volumization for yeah. cell volumization and carving yep. up and stuff like that. And then, you know, back then we would take it pre and post workout, yes. you know, I, to me, it was always 10 grams pre 10 grams post. Yes. And that's just what I always thought back then. Um, and then I've just really gotten away from it, man. So the, the last, I don't know, eight years, um, but I, I do need to get back to it, you know, especially from the gut health perspective. Yeah, and this, I use this it a is, lot in the gut health realm because it's cheap and you sometimes get clients that are like, look, man, I can't, I can't take enzymes, betaine hydrochloric floor, you know, a, a probiotic and this and that, like, and then this and that, you know, and you're like, okay, well, what are some other cheaper things here I can get done with, you know, and you start thinking aloe vera and glutamine and this and that. And so, um, I really think it shines for gut health is is mainly yeah and i know like like if someone has acid reflux or if you have like any kind of indigestion start throwing it throwing it in your drinks every single day and it helps knock that down a little bit too yep. but um yeah i mean good good product so the next question comes from leah davis why do i struggle to sleep when carbs are lower and I, this one was sent in to you so if yes. you would go, go ahead and take that one. yeah i'll start and then i'm sure you might have some other takes so i think there's two main reasons number one um, as carbs are dropping, serotonin levels start to, to, to drop off. And serotonin is one of the, um, you know, feel good, relax, um, neurotransmitters. And so when that's low, you're not going to sleep as well. And actually the last four hours of sleep are heavily dictated by serotonin. So, you know, if I know someone gets woken up early, like 3am, like every night I start adding things like 5-HTP because they're probably on prep or maybe they're taking trend, which zaps serotonin. So I, I, I look at 5-HTP, but also what's going on is, you know, as carbs are dropping, usually cardio is going up at least for a while, you're pushing harder and prep. And so cortisol can be going up too. And cortisol can get to that point where it gets flopped and it's spiking at night when it should be going lower. And that can keep you awake too. So, you know, those are my two kind of things. The last one is just blood sugar kind of being dysregulated. Um, if you are someone who wakes uh, while your carbs are low um, with the sweats or even just like really hot, that's probably your blood sugar's dipping too low um, and that's waking you up too. So there's kind of three things that can be going on and all three of them can really be going on. Um, that can be kind of complicating the issue. Um, that's where the cordies that, that my company makes comes in. 
Um, I already mentioned 5-HTP. And then, you know, if it's the carb issue where you're waking up sweaty, you might have to save 20 grams um, of carbohydrates, even though you're dieting for pre, pre-bed. And if you're in a deficit, it's really not going to matter. It's just you're not getting that then pre and post when you could be using it to, to sell volumize a little better and, and have more energy. But um, those are some strategies to fix the issue. Yeah, man, I, I don't have a lot to add. I know a lot of people are scared to death to have carbs before bed, and it doesn't matter how long we've been doing this or preaching that it's it, when you're in a deficit, it's really not that big of a deal. But no. people are, they're still afraid. And it makes, I mean, I'm a bro, right? I'm half bro. You you are too. Like yes. we, we try to think, you know, okay, how's the fucking body work? And for me, even though I know better now, like if I eat, if I train at one and one o'clock in, in the day, 1 PM, yep. and then I have, you know, 40 carbs before I go to bed, it still sits in my mind. I'm like, I'm going to go lay in bed with 40 carbs in, <laughs> even though I know, and I've even seen the research, it shows your metabolism is like the last four hours of sleep. It's, it's some of the fastest times that you'll see a rise in metabolism while you're sleeping, repairing all these processes mm-hmm. in the body because you just beat the shit out of it yep. the day before, especially if you're in a deficit. So carbohydrates are actually really great to have before bed, um, not just because they help repair the processes and fuel the processes in the body, but they do help you sleep better. So um, it's something I just urge people, don't be scared. And I know Cliff, you know, Cliff Wilson, good friend of ours. Cliff's a little radical guy too. And and he's tried some things with his clients during prep where he'll have pre post-workout carbs and then he'll save his other carb meal instead at meal one, like he'll have them take it before bed. And yeah. he's just noticed over the years, he's like, dude, they sleep better. Yeah, and, they sleep better for sure. And then it's like, okay, if someone's consistently sleeping better, the fat loss is better, you know? Right. Um, I still try to generally put supplements in first. Um, that's just mine thing. Um, but either way, yeah, you got to remedy the problem and those are some solutions for sure. Yeah. My, my number one is two cordies and two droppers of relax yeah, from me the company. I mean, it's, that's, you know, you you talked about adding five, um, uh, five HTP. melatonin. Yeah, yeah. Well, and then melatonin, a little extra to that stack too. And yeah. it just really helps drop people in. So very rarely do I have to add carbs to the end of the day, but if I had right. to, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be afraid to. No, I wouldn't either. That's exactly how I attack it. Okay. Next question um, comes from Jim Town. Is there ever a time you recommend training a body part twice in a day? John, I know you've talked about this before on some of your clients overreaching weeks before they do a deload, but wasn't sure if you had anyone doing this. So this is kind of an interesting, this kind of sent in towards me, but obviously we both chime in. Um, This is an interesting thing. So I've Remember when I went to Tampa, the University of Tampa, to my first ISSN conference, Jacob Wilson and Ben Pekulski were both there, and they talked about um, some research that was done on training body parts twice in a day for a short amount of period of time, and the strength and the muscle gain that came out of that when they measured it was pretty damn pronounced. And, you know, whenever you put information like that out, a lot of people, especially in bodybuilding, they take it to the extreme. They're like, well, fuck <laughs> if tw-. you know, that's what Arnold did back in the day. He trained six days a week, body parts twice a day. And, you know, they, they take everything to the extreme and they hear a little bit of information like that and they think it's great. So what I did with some of my clients for a while, and I don't generally do this much because here's the first part. Most people don't have time time to train Mm-mm. twice in a fucking, I mean, right now we do because we're at home. So, I mean, maybe this is a good time to do it, but what most people just aren't going to do is they're just not going to do that. But it's real interesting. You know, I have my clients train 
different rep ranges. So, you know, I'd have a client wake up in the morning and if they're going to train chest, I'd have them train it that morning, do 12 total sets, maybe in the eight to 10 rep range. And then in the evening, in the afternoon, after they got three or four meals back, I'd have them go back and I'd have them, you know, train a little more volume, higher rep. And I would have them do that for two weeks max, which overreached their body on purpose and their central nervous system. And then I would have them deload. And I just wanted to see. And, you know, my assisted folks back then, man, they made some pretty good progress doing that every eight or nine weeks. Yeah. But my natty folks, those motherfuckers felt like trash. Yeah. Like they just felt like yeah. trash. And that yeah. to me is kind of the distinction where you yep. have to understand natural versus versus enhanced. 100%. And that's why we talk about it on the phone. So if people want to try it, you know, I would maybe just do it with your weak body parts that you need to bring up and do it for like two or three weeks, but then you need a deload to where you just don't train for four or five days or you just take a break. Jason, have you ever, have you ever played around with that at all? I'll be honest with you. I would love to play around with it personally, but I don't think it would go over too well here at the uh, Theobald household. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, uh, tw- oh, I got to go to twice gym twice today. You cool with that? Uh, <laughs> so yeah, you know, if I was a single dude, I'm sure I would try it, especially right now, you know, um, I would have tried it beforehand, but you know, with my schedule, no. And so, you know, that's why I always say when I'm in there, um, I try to just get keyed in and make every, every rep, every, every set count. So, but I agree with what you said. The only thing I was going to add was, is that, you know, if you're a natural person doing it, you've got to really watch your, your number of sets. You know, I could see where you do maybe seven in the morning and then seven sets in the evening and or something, you know, and then hit the body part, you know, twice a week, two times a day or something. But if you're doing 12 to 15 sets each time, I think you're, you're going to overtrain. Um, I think, you know, enhanced guys can definitely get away with it. You know, there's plenty of pro bodybuilders who back in the day um, when, you know, the sponsor contracts were bigger, you know, talking 80 K plus, you know, that they were winning purses. We're talking like guys like Jay Cutler and stuff. I think they trained two times a day. I think Sean Ray did as well at times. Um, but again, they didn't have any other job but bodybuilding. So um, I think if you're enhanced and uh, you, you got the time, I think you can definitely probably uh, make some quick gains that way if you run it properly. But uh, no, I, I've never got had the chance to mess around with it, man. Yeah, I, the the best results I saw were definitely enhanced, but it was also when someone was was on blast. Definitely yeah. not not on a cruise or anything yeah. like that. So I'd always try and time it whenever they'd be, you know, loading up, so to speak. Um, and the recovery was just through the roof and it was interesting, man. It, uh, it's a whole other world out there for, for folks that are natural. Like you've got to, you've got to understand that you just can't do the same things that assistant folks can sometimes. So good, good question. It's pretty geeky. It's something I'd like to explore a little bit more. So, um, next question comes from, uh, Mitchell Olson. I have trouble falling to sleep and waking up. I've heard my my circadian rhythm is off, might be off. Can I reset this? So, Jason, if you don't mind, you, you've talked about this quite a bit yes. as well, and it kind of ties in a little bit to what we talked about earlier. If, if yes. you don't mind, kind of explain that. Okay, so um, when what what your natural circadian rhythm is is in the morning, um, usually around yeah, you know, and it starts around six a.m. and by eight a.m. usually our cortisol is is starting to peak um, for the day. And that's to get us up, get us ready for the day. And so it should be highest in the morning. And then as the rest of the day, it'll hit a peak 
Um, and then it starts to trickle down and by evening it should be at one of its lowest points so that you sleep. But this can get thrown off. Mine actually was thrown off in 2015 and I had neurotransmitter tests to, to show it. Um, but my cortisol, uh, was, um, super low in the morning and it was high at night. And so when that happens, you wake up and you feel like you're kind of walking through quicksand and then in the evening you can't shut your brain off and you don't sleep well. Um, so yeah, that is definitely where you can get a completely flop circadian rhythm. So your cortisol will be low in the morning and then high at night. And you're probably asking, well, why does this happen? It can happen for a varied reasons, but mainly it's, it's stress and it's, it's chronic stress, not acute where like, you know, you see tiger and you run more chronic stress. So think kids, bills, jobs, and then you add the stress of training. And so the, my companies came up with a strategy to actually fix this. And we use in the morning a product called Adrena Health, and that is to get the cortisol back up when it should be. And then, you know, maybe two caps in the morning upon waking, if it's really bad, three, and then maybe two or three more around 2 p.m. And then in the evening, you can use our Cordy's product, and that'll start bringing the, cord the cortisol back down. But while you're doing this, you need to work on your stress. You need to figure out where, er, what areas you can pull back from stress. And so a lot of people, that's training. Um, so you might need to back your, your training intensity off. How many days you train? Do you do cardio? And if you can deal with other stressors in your life, then do that as well. But it's, it's a multifaceted approach. You should be eating healthy as well. You're not going to be able to fix a cortisol issue if you, your diet's high in you know, fast food and sugars and all that. So it's a multifaceted approach, but one that I usually tackle with supplementation, correct nutrition, and then getting the client to rest more. And then obviously looking at their lifestyle and seeing if there's some you know, uh, stress issues that they can deal with to, to kind of lessen that stress bucket. Yeah. And people, I, I, you know, I encourage them to go back and listen to episode two, our deep dive on cortisol. It really, really makes sense of a lot of the things that are going on in the body. I mean, when cortisol is high and you feel that slight, you know, fight or flight, or it might be major, it just depends. Yep. Like it, think about that. If cortisol is high before you go to bed, yeah, your, your body's not in a state to go to sleep. It's in a state no. to move and do things and yes. fucking run from the tiger. You know, yep. I think we said that multiple times. So it really, that's why your products are so important to help people drop into sleep because you know, your, your cortis isn't a sleep aid. It's a fucking cortisol aid, which helps Correct. you go to sleep. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's super important, man. I think we've talked about that like four times on the show today Yeah, <laughs> uh, just because it's so important. So it really is. I mean, I, I, I'm anymore, the more I study and the more I look at labs and the more I learn, I, I think stress and then the subsequent, you know, increase in cortisol and then the body being bumped, the body being bombarded by cortisol is at the root of just about every disease, metabolic, hormonal issue there is in the human body. So you learn to control your stress and your cortisol you will live significantly longer and much more disease free. You know what, man? I'll, I'll, I agree with that. And, you know, I'll go as far as to say, I have a thought on something, you know, everybody talks about how everything starts in the gut and how important the gut is. And it is, but to me, I think the number one issue that people can avoid when it comes to gut issues is by avoiding their fucking stress. And I, mm -hmm. I, you know what I mean? Because of what cortisol does to the gut. So to yeah. me, it's like right up there at the top. I mean, it 100%. really, really is. Yeah. Um, 
Next question is from David Garza for stubborn. Oh, I'm sorry for super stubborn calves because calves are stubborn, but these are super stubborn calves. What's the best two tips that you can give to make them grow? I swear I have fucking tried everything in all caps. Um, Jason, I've got a pretty good protocol that I like to help people with, with calves. And that that's when they really have tried everything that they, they've tried training them two or three times a week. They've trained them, you know, with volume, they've done everything that they can. And the only thing that I've seen really make a difference and it, to me, it, it takes years. And now I'm talking about working with natural athletes, right? Um, which is what most of my athletes are these days with my natural folks. This is what's really worked for them. Your calves are so used to being walked around on and being flexed on. And I mean, that's just the natural state of your calves that you have to really, really shock them. So there's, there's two things that I've done. One is I've taken people to short bursts of five days of training where they're literally training them five days and they're changing the rep ranges every single day. So one day yep. might be rep ranges all the way up to like 50. Yep. Um, the next day might be heavy rep ranges of like yep. six to eight. And then you do the next day at like 20 and then you start over and you do that five days a week and you just kind of pick your days off where you want. I've seen people do that. And as long as, you know, they're not getting achy and they're, they're, um, yep. everything's not starting to feel like shit that's worked. You just can't do it forever. So you've got it. You've got to slightly deload off of that. Um, and then once you get them to where you want, then you go back to maintenance. Maintenance to me is, is training them twice a week. Um, and that's what I've done to kind of help my people. That's my first tip. And then my second one is to man, you got to try extreme stretching. And that's probably the hardest. I think that's the worst thing that, that there is. I mean, training abs is probably the worst thing to me in the world. Cause I'm a fucking fat ass. But <laughs> when it comes to calves stretching, the extreme stretching between sets is something. So like, think about if you're doing calves on the leg press and you, you, you hit failure at like 18 then you hold it in the, in the position where you're letting the weight stretch your calves down and you hold that for like 20 seconds and then you go again. Um, it, to me, it just causes so much of a, a shift in what your body's used to. And it, it causes a lot of um, stretching, which does cause muscle damage. I've seen that help, but just very few people, cause most people can't stick to it. And, and I can't, man, like I'll, I'll do it for like a couple sets. I'm like, I just can't, I can't handle that kind of pain but I have seen that work and the research is out there to back up the stretching. Um, and that's been around a long time. I mean, Dante with, with uh, DC, like he's been talking about extreme stretching. This is kind of just another form of that, but those are the two things I could pass along that people could try. Um, what do you, what do you have Jason? So it's funny because actually a lot of that is what I do. And I've actually brought my calves up fairly nicely. Um, and I get like a lot of compliments on them now, which is crazy because they never, they always sucked. Um, I agree with you that, they're constantly pounded. And so someone like myself who grew up playing soccer, you know, that never built them for me. Um, you know, you would think sprinting and all the, you know, seven miles per game is what a midfielder uh, who plays the whole game runs. And I, I usually played most of the game and you would think that I would have had tree trunk legs and tree trunk or, you know, massive calves, but I, I didn't have any of it. Um, so I really had to start from scratch and, and, and it's funny because literally what you said about training on five days a week is what I do, but the, I train them first. So literally when I get to the gym, my first stop is a calf machine every single day. And, um, I train about five sets every single day. And these are hard ball buster sets. If anyone looked at my face, they would think I was probably cutting off an arm. 
So you've got to find intensity and the way I do that is tempos. So I love the angled calf machine. I forget exactly what they call it, but you're kind of in it at an angle and you've kind of seen old people use it as a quad machine, but it's not. Um, I'm, I'm hoping you guys can figure out which one that is, but usually it's got a plate at the bottom that kind of moves forward with you and you kind of sit in it at an angle and grab the handles right around your like, uh, hips. Um, I love that machine. Love it. And so I work the hell out of that machine, but my reps are, you've got to work full range and you can't do these fucking pump reps that people do. Like if you're doing that shit, you're not even training calves really. These reps have to be slow. When you come to the back to the hole, your toes got to be getting to the point where they're stretching so much. Your Achilles is stretching. The calf is just being stretched. And then you come out of that hole, not, not where you, you're bouncing. You come right out of that hole, and it's all calf. And when you get to the peak and you think you've got to the peak, push even harder and flex even harder. And you should be able to grab your calves and feel the diamond back there. And that's one rep. I'll do anywhere, like John said, I don't ever get in the 50s because I, those type of painful reps, you just can't get that high. But I'll work as low as six all the way up to 20 based on weight. And so I do that every day. So I'm getting the stretching in with the reps and then I'm flexing the hell out of it. There's times where I flex in a contracted state for up to five seconds. They're about to cramp. I'll stay in that stretch position all the way as far as, as, far as I can stretch for about five seconds. And once you really get that mind muscle connection where every bit of it is all your calves firing and nodding and flexing, they'll come up. They'll come up. Um, now I love training calves because I see it, I see it working. Um, mine stay leaner, veinier, just more sinewy all year round now. And it's because I've built density and some muscle down there. So, um, I find them really fun to train now, but literally I do that five times, uh, a week about five sets and it's the first body part I train every time I'm in the gym. There you go, folks. I mean, there, there you have it. Um, give that a shot and measure them like that. That's the other thing too. You need to measure them. Uh, if you're going to start something like this, measure them now. And then, you know, what, four, probably three, four months, give them a little bit of time and see if, see if some, some sizes come on with the tape. Yeah. Measure. And you know, another thing, like see where you're lacking, like some people lack like depth on the side you're going to want your toes in a little more. Some people lack that, that nice head on the gastroc on the inner. So then you're going to want your toes out just a little bit more. And if toes are completely straight, you're going to kind of really hit all of it. But if you want to get a little bit more um, in a certain area, don't be afraid to play with your toe placement either. I play with mine all the time. Yeah, for sure. Joseph England asks, please explain SARMs and are they useful? So this is you know, this is something I get a lot in my DMs, and I'm I'm sure you are you are as well, Jason. What do you normally What do you normally say when someone just asks that like, has no idea what SARMs are? Well, I explain the the technology behind them and how they're supposed to work. Um, and what if it, what is it? Selective androgen uh, receptor uh, modulators. Um, so by selective androgen uh, receptor, they're basically saying that what the what they're trying to do is create um a product that does not have impact on the voice it does not have impact on the skin it doesn't have impact on the prostate just muscle and bone and that's what the medical community was trying to do with these you got to understand that what's out on the market um even though it's i believe legal to have them in your hand i don't think it's legal to take them 
it's weird how the laws are set up right now, but realize that they are a knockoff of the actual patented ingredient. And those are still in human trials. Uh, even if, are they even at human trials? Yep. Yeah, maybe they're at still human trials, but they are not, have not been approved by the FDA. So the stuff that we have on the market are knockoffs of the patents. Okay. If someone's going on there, reading the patents and, and creating these. Okay. So, it's interesting that they, if they're only binding to muscle and bone, they really should not be causing shutdown of your natural testosterone. But I 100% can tell you S23, it is strong as shit and it does shut down not only testosterone, but it shuts down luteinizing hormone, follicle stimulating hormone. And your estrogen will almost go to nothing if you're on it long enough. And it's a male contraceptive. It'll make your sperm like liquid if you're on them long enough or if you take like 50 milligrams, which is a high dose. A lot of guys take 20. My point is, is with that one, you really should run some testosterone with it or you're going to really get some side effects by about week. Week two, like the first two weeks, you're going to feel great. You're going to be hornier. You're going to be stronger. You're going to be drier. You're going to be burning fat. Like it's strong. But then as that testosterone dips out, and that luteinizing hormone dips out, and that estradiol tanks, your libido is going to go to shit, erections are going to be harder. It, it's, it's not a great product to take standalone for guys, to be honest with you. Um, so my point is, is that you're kind of still experimenting on yourself. That doesn't mean I dislike them all. Um, but the ones that I use more often are um, Osterine. Um, that's a decent one for women and men as well. Um, I find that I can get periods to stay or get back really quickly if it's a woman, um, around 20 megs a day. Carterine works really well. It, it increases um, your, I believe, your VO2 max, so you're using oxygen better, and it also increases fat burn. Um, and then the last one I've been researching, um, SR9009, 9009. Has a lot of really cool benefits. Um, insulin sensitivity reset on that is huge. Like I'm talking lower in insulin levels by like 35%. Oh, wow. um, cytokine, so you, your inflammatories. I posted something recently on my story about how Corona. The reason, you know, one of the ways it kills is that it creates a cytokine storm in your body. In other words, inflammation. So if you already are inflamed, i.e., diabetes, fat all these different things that cause body inflammation. Well, yeah, you, you hit a cytokine storm and you're already inflamed. Well, yeah, you're fucked. Right. But my point is with this, this SR9009, it lowers cytokines up to 72%. So it really kicks inflammation in its ass. So, you know, I just looked at it as, hey, you know, if you think you got inflammation, you might want to run some of this during that right now. Um, and it doesn't look like there's any shutdown with that SR9009 either. So, you know, and the other SARMs that I I, they're out there, a rad 140, they're shut down with that too. So just know if you run it standalone, you are going to need some sort of PCT afterwards. Um, the shutdown doesn't seem to be as bad as S23. Um, and then the MK677, which is supposed to create a GH spike, it does, but man, after 10 days, your blood glucose is climbing 10 to 15 points on that shit. So I don't like it and I don't use it with any of my clients ever because you kind of lean out for a bit and get real full. And then as soon as that insulin sensitivity starts to go to the crap, uh, once you come off that, you've got a, you've got a, you know, a shit storm you got to deal with in terms of getting fat and your insulin sensitivity is just terrible. So those are some of my takes on it. Um, really, Osterine, Carterine, 
um, our go-tos. Um, the other ones I do use sometimes S23, but you just got to be more advanced and know what you're looking at. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, there you go, guys. That's in detail. So don't, don't hit me up asking about all this shit. You just heard it <laughs> because here's the thing, dude, I'm going to get a bunch of questions sent into my DMS over that mm-hmm. guys go back and listen again. If you're interested, guys, girls, whatever. Um, obviously if you're one of my clients and you're competing in the natural bodybuilding federation, you can't take it. It's nope. just, that's just part of it. Um, that's why I don't, I don't spend a lot of time with them and I'll be honest, Jason, and, and with the listeners, I don't know shit about them because my, yeah. I, I just never have researched it. Yeah. Um, you haven't had need to do no, it. No, right. no, I'm not going to. So right. it's, I'm just not too worried about it. So don't right. hit me up. Um, <laughs> trying to save my DMS right now. All right. Yes. The next question, speaking of insulin sensitivity, Macy Richardson asks, I'm trying to reset my insulin sensitivity and nothing I do is bringing my morning blood sugar reading down below a hundred. It's around 105 average. What do I need to do? I'm eating at about a 25% deficit for maintenance. So she's cut her calories down, low carbs, which are pre and post only, like we talked about, and it just won't budge. So this is, you know, this is something for those listening that are going to be in my class, I, I guess it's the day this releases, or maybe in a future class. This is something that I discussed. Jason, you've done it as well at the Physique mm-hmm. Summit, just all over the place. We've talked about it on the podcast before. Um, we do see these people that no matter what they do, their morning numbers just won't go down. And that's usually the dawn phenomenon. And that's, yeah. it's one of those things when I can't get someone to budge and they're doing everything right. They're taking a glute. See, I wish I would find out she was taking the GDA, but it, you know, say she's taking a GDA a glucose disposal agent, like your GDA max. And if not get GDA max, it'll help you. Right. Right. Um, and then she's doing everything else. I have them start, measuring their blood sugar about three hours after yes, one of their carbs. Agreed. And that's, agreed. and then I have them track that for a week. And usually I just did it with a client of mine named Christy from, uh, from Nebraska. She just did this as well. She's real low in the morning. And I thought, you know what? Like she's pretty, she's pretty lean. She's not eating a shit ton. She hasn't been off season too awful long, only six months. She did a really good job coming out of prep. I had her measure for a week and she was like 86 average. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, you're fine. I'm like, don't even worry about it. Just keep taking a GDA and just don't worry about it. So that's generally the issue. Did I miss anything there, Jason? Is there anything that you want to add? Yeah, I'll add just a few things. So like John's right on the money with the Dawn phenomenon. And you know, when those are high like that, that's exactly what I do too. Exactly what he did with the post preambial readings. If you want to try to bring the Dawn phenomenon down, usually that's a stress issue. So you could hit some cordies or your favorite cortisol product the night before bed and see if that helps. My other two thoughts are, how are you sleeping? How is your gut health? Um, and how are your stress levels um, in general? Because, you know, you can be doing all the things that you listed. And let's say the postprandial numbers are high. So they come back at 110, 115. Then it's like, what else is going on? And that's when I'm like, you got to look at your gut health. You got to look at your sleep. You got to look at your cortisol. One of the two of those are probably going to be off if you're doing everything with the diet um, that you need to be doing um, and, you, and, you, and you're struggling to get it down. And by struggling, I mean four weeks of doing proper things with diet because this does take time. Um, but then after that, if you're still shooting shitty numbers, you got to diet, you got to look at other areas of the body because all these other areas can affect insulin sensitivity. Yeah, 100%, man. Um, Last question comes from Jason Tolbertson. It's a good one for kind of where we're at right now with immunity and stuff. How much vitamin C should I take daily? 
and is too much a bad idea? Really good question. You know, I, I think a lot of people don't put a lot of stock into how much. Um, and I think a lot of people, it's probably one of those things. I, I think some are taking it, some are probably, eh, they just forget. I know on my client form, whenever I send everybody their notes that has their supplement protocol I put together for them, I usually have a thousand megs of vitamin mm -hmm. C listed after their workout to help fight free radicals. It's an yeah. antioxidant to kind of help it's with cheap. immunity. It's yeah, yeah, it's very, very cheap. Um, I like, I like pills, um, in a powder form, you know, with bioflavonoids in there as well. And, you know, I, I've always had my clients at least try and take a thousand milligrams a day. Um, I know myself right now, um, because I just got done dieting really fucking hard for like five, six weeks, got a lot of fat off, you know, dieting suppresses your immune system as well. Yeah. So it's one of those things I've actually bumped mine up to 2000. Yeah. I haven't had any issues with that, but Jason, I, I'm kind of curious what your take is on this. What do you, what do you recommend? For immunity, I'm right at two, 2,000 milligrams to 3,000, but you could go up to five when you actually got a cold or you're fighting something. And here's the thing with vitamin C. Even if you overshoot it, you just pee it out. It just passes via the urine. So there's really not a toxicity issue. So like I said, if you're fighting something, go ahead and rock it up to 500 milligrams. Yeah. Also, it's one of those things too, where you you hear reports that super high doses can cause things like um, diarrhea, um, it can yep. cause dehydration and stuff like that. Yep. I haven't really ran into that myself or with clients um, back in the well, back in the old days, back when we used to do some of these peak weeks, like we like we both used to do. Um, I would load uh, Esther C on a Friday. I don't know if I learned that from you or Mark, or I just tried it myself. But like that I, was Mark because it's it's extra diuresis, I believe. That, that's what it was, kind of like a diuretic to help you know, quote unquote. Pull and the, the water the, and and for let's and, and let's point out too, like sometimes for uh, constipation, I use vitamin C up you know up to five grams. Like it'll get you moving. Uh, you don't normally need that much, so you know if you take it the day before a show, it can clean out your your bowels too, so your stomach's tighter. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Was there anything else that, that you want to add there? No. You, between you and I, we covered it. Yeah, man. Well, that was a fun Ask Us Anything. Um, episode 21 is coming up and we've got, you know, you and I have been talking about some guests to have on the show. So we're going to have yes. some more guests on. Um, so I'll talk to you off air about that. I don't really have anything else, guys. We just ask that you please leave a review, keep spreading the word and screenshot us so we can see it. We uh, really appreciate you. So for myself and Jason, we're out of here. Thanks, guys. Yeah.